And welcome in to this edition of Gator Bites on the 1010XL.com podcast network, also being simulcast on the Florida Gator 1010XL Facebook page. Today's Gator podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist. They're Northeast Florida's leading orthopedic center, providing an unparalleled level of care across numerous locations in both Jacksonville and St. Augustine that includes Riverside, Northside, the Southside, the Beaches, Fleming Island, and St. John's. He is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. Denny, the offseason now in full swing. A national title has been awarded. Before we get into the Gators, obviously, Cliff Notes version, uh, but your overall thoughts on what Alabama was able to accomplish this year, capping it off by, well, throttling Ohio State. I think they just had one of the best seasons in the history of college football. Uh, I mean, if you really look at what guys, and we've talked about this on Gator Bites here, we've talked about this a lot, is what these guys had to go through to play a season and by these guys I mean everything from support staff to players to coaches these coaches are exhausted it, this is the most trying season that college football has ever seen to execute at the level that Alabama just executed over the course of 13 games is unbelievable yeah I mean it really is I don't think I can't think of a situation I mean you think of some of the best teams you know the the 90s was the 96 Nebraska teams you think 95 of, Nebraska 93 Florida State 01 right, Miami right, you think of those guys and I think when you go back in history you're going to see this Alabama team have just as many NFL players but there's always going to be that added carrot that they had to play an all SEC schedule and that they had to deal with everything else that everybody had to deal with they had no hiccups out of curiosity we brought this up on XL primetime yesterday I'll ask you 19 LSU Versus 20 Alabama. Who's got the better team? The game's probably 70 to 63. Right. Um, I, I don't, maybe I'm a prisoner of the moment, but I'm in love with this Alabama team. Woo, that 19 LSU team was crazy. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing about Alabama Jalen Waddle goes down. Yeah. They don't skip a beat. Even Devontae Smith the other night goes down. They don't skip a beat. Like it just, it never stopped. It, it was unbelievable. Sarkeesian dialed up like, a master's class in in how to execute offensive passing game. Like something that should be studied by anybody who wants to be a coach or is currently a coach. Go pop that film in from week to week and look at the way that they quickly adjusted to what defenses tried to do to the point to where defenses just gave up. Defenses were just like, okay, we're going to sit in a base or we're going to sit in a man, and we're just going to hope that they make a mistake. Mac Jones never made the mistake. Mac Jones is not getting enough credit for the season that he had um, what an unbelievable year for Mac Jones. Alabama is your national champion. Um, you know Mac Jones. You train Mac Jones at six points. He comes out, right? You don't win a national title, a Heisman finalist, and not capitalize on that. I don't know. I, I honestly, it's up in the air? Yeah, it's still up in the air. I, I, don't, I don't know if he comes out or not, and I could, I could debate you either way and be right, debate you either way and be wrong. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. one of those things where he does have this unique opportunity, and Alabama is one of those states where if he were to go back, he could be the number one overall pick the next year. He could – I mean, they're always going to reload in Alabama. They've proven that. You know what you are in Alabama if you go back-to-back natties? A legend. An absolute legend. And that pays off so big throughout your lifetime in a state like Alabama. I could make arguments on why he should come back – I don't know that any of it trumps the fact that he's probably going to be a top 20 pick, though. Speaking of guys declaring, the deadline for that is coming up in the next couple of days. 
Most of the hay is in the barn for Florida. Defensively, a lot of guys announced they were coming back. Zach Carter, certainly the big one. But in the last couple of days, Jeremiah Moon and Trey Dean. Now, again, I think those guys, mid to late round picks at best, that's probably why they're coming back. But nevertheless, Moon, Dean, and Carter have played a lot of football uh, in Gator uniforms. They're all going to be back on that defense. Obviously, the defense left a lot to be desired, but I'd rather have those guys in the fold than replace them with young guys. Yeah, it's almost like I almost think uh, some of these guys are announcing a decision to come back just to get the edit. Like, just to get the social media bump or something like that, because... We still haven't heard anything from Brenton Cox, like, right? Uh, I, I mean, he's got to come back. I, I That guy's so uber-talented, he has a halfway decent year next year, and he's a top 20 pick. Yeah. I, I, I just... Man, some of this isn't drama. Like, some of this is... We already know you're coming back. Well, Jeremiah Moon and Trey Dean, absolutely. I was a little surprised about Zach Carter. Were you really? Yeah. I, I, His body type... You impressed at your pro day. I think he would have been drafted. This is a deep draft. Yeah. At every position. This is one of the um, better drafts at this point. And we don't know what it's going to turn out to be. But as far as draft grades and what people think of each position, wide receiver, quarterback, uh, maybe offensive line, not as much. But like DB, a lot, lot very deep draft at a lot of positions. Um, it's going to be interesting these next couple of months to see how it all pans out. And obviously the defense left a lot to be desired. Well, they sucked. That Let's might just be say an that. understatement. Yeah, yeah. They, they didn't, it wasn't desired. They were terrible. So, But you are – a lot of those guys are returning, right? So I don't know, again, if that's necessarily a good thing or not. No, I think it is. But I think a lot of those guys may have a chip on their shoulder. I think it is. I, I mean, they're they're talented. They didn't play well, but they're talented. They were highly recruited – if Florida didn't want them back, they wouldn't be coming back is the other thing. So I, I think it's a very good thing they're coming back. I, th- I think you have a possibility of the defense being the stronger of the two units next year, so you need as much of them back as you possibly can get, and then you just kind of see how it plays out. If they get beat out next year, they get beat out. And, and as Gator fans, we should hope that there is competition at every position. You know, along those lines, we're two weeks removed from the bowl game. Two weeks to think about the fact that Kadarius Toney and Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts and Trevon Grimes are all moving on. Concern for you once spring football arrives at the wide receiver playmaker position moving yeah, forward? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I I think Shorter is a very good player. I think Henderson is a very good player. Copeland. Uh, Copeland is a very good player. There's talent there. There's not like a panic concern, but – Unlike last year where it was like, okay, there's a bunch of guys that are already developed and ready to go that need to stay. Like Kadarius Tony, his only thing was he needed to stay healthy. Yeah, um, We don't have that. We don't have that. And then you throw into the mix that there's going to be a new quarterback, a new full-time quarterback. And what's that going to look like? And the offense is going to be different. Like It's going to be more of what Dan Mullen wants to do, which in some ways I think is really, really good. Um yeah, I, I, there's definitely a concern at the playmaker position for me. You know, to me, I'm just kind of visualizing three wide receiver set, one tight end, one tailback. When you have Copeland, Shorter, and Henderson, or even if you want to throw Whitmore in there. Yeah. All right, then you have Gamble or well, Zipper. Wells coming back. Well, he's been there a decade. So. Right, maybe a free year. Yeah, he could. Yeah, for a year, he could come back. And he could make an impact and make well, a I bigger think name would, for himself. It would be wise for him to come back. He, so, he becomes a late-round draft pick if he comes back. Uh, so we'll see about Rick Wells. That's a good point. But then to tie it in, we got Gamble and Zipper. 
the tailback position is going to be the position of strength. No doubt. Because Lingard is a former five-star. Bowman comes in from um, Clemson. Clemson, a former five-star. And then, obviously, you know what you have with, I think, Davis and Pierce are both back. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of potential at tailback. And what Dan Mullen wants to do is run the football, whether it's with his quarterback, who now he has two that can and will run the ball. Um, he wants to run that inside zone. He wants to run stretch. He wants to run RPO off of that stuff. Like It, it is in Mullen and Brian Johnson's wheelhouse what they're about to do. If they can get the offensive line play and they can get some deep threats, it could be another dynamic offense. Today's Gator Podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist. For the highest quality care, you can rely on Southeast Orthopedic Specialist for any orthopedic injury or concern. You can log on to their website by going to se-ortho.com, and you can also listen for Southeast Orthopedic Specialist, the good Dr. Kevin Murphy, on Thursday mornings in the 7 o'clock hour with Jeff and Dan right here on 1010XL for his weekly analysis of injuries in sports. Dan Mullen, news is cooling, calming down, not as choppy as maybe it was a week, certainly two weeks ago, or cooler heads prevailing in the whole Dan Mullen, the administrative staff, some of his actions this year, talking to the NFL, all that soap opera. Haven't heard much of that in the last few days. Yeah, I think so. I, I You know what I'm using to gauge it is assistant coach activity, meaning – his assistant coaches that are his guys, are they scrambling looking for jobs or are they comfortable? Mm-hmm. They seem to be comfortable. You don't hear, like Brian Johnson interview for Boise State, he had to. You, you, you have to if you're Brian Johnson. You don't hear anything else about Brian Johnson right now. And they hired the guy from uh, Auburn, right? McGriff, the secondary coach. Right, right. So I, I think if you start to read into that a little bit, Dan Mullen's always going to interview for NFL jobs because that's what Dan Mullen and his agent should do. Even if he intends on staying at Florida, that's what gives you raises. That's what gives you facilities. Let's Can we spend a minute there? Because Florida fans, I, I, I want to talk about this. When you see these coaches interview for other jobs, understand it's not just about lining their pockets. There's leverage There's leverage in being wanted. And that leverage can be utilized through, you know, we're building this indoor and I really want whatever. We're building this football facility and I really want this piece of it. Well, if they think I'm leaving, like, I can bring that up. Mm-hmm. Right? And I don't think people think about that a lot, but it, it happens everywhere. Now, it doesn't have to happen with Nick Saban because he just asked. Right? But everywhere, you start hearing about Lincoln Riley interviewing for a job, or you start hearing about Ryan Day interviewing for a job, or even them not answering directly a question of, is the NFL game a possibility? Other than their pocketbooks, there's other things that they're trying to accomplish, whether it's additional funds in recruiting budget, or it's additional funds for their assistant coaches, you know, stuff like that, or facilities. All that stuff can be negotiated through an interest at the next level. You know, speaking of facilities, did you see the Auburn story? Yep. They're adding a couple recording studios yep. and a flight simulator uh, to their brand new football facility. The flight simulator's genius. The fl- and, and we'll get to the flight simulator. But you and I have had this talk, and every time a story like this comes up, I'll continue to mention it, and you tell me if I'm wrong. When I worked for Gridiron Now and, and doing what I do for 1010XL now – talking to these kids and I've talked to a couple hundred probably in the last two or three recruiting cycles and all of them to a T I want mom and dad to come see me play I want to go to the NFL I want to get on the field first I want to have a good relationship with the head coach 
across the board. Those are the four things I always hear when I ask, what led you to school A? What led you to school B? Very rarely, occasionally, but very rarely do I hear anything about facilities Mm -hmm. when I talk to these kids. Is that just them not being truthful in interviews? I mean, how much these facilities really mean? Because I'm telling you, Denny, I don't hear that hardly at all when I talk to these guys. You don't want to be left behind in facilities from a recruiting standpoint. Facilities facilities are less about recruiting than they are about having a home, having a home for these guys, like where they don't have to leave once they get there. The only thing you don't want to happen is you don't want a kid to go from Auburn to Florida on a visit, and he's, wow, there's a massive difference in facilities. As long as they're in the same ballpark, you're okay. Mm. Florida's not in that ballpark right now. They will be. They will be. Now. They will be. They haven't been. But that's that's where that goes. The bigger thing about the facilities is once they're built, now you're able to control – I'm going to use a, a catch word here that I hate – You're able to control the vibe inside of that. So whatever you think you want your program to look like, whatever level of excellence you want to hold your school and your program to, the facilities set the tone for that. LSU, when you walk in that that locker room, it's not as much about wowing people as it is about the feeling you get when you're an LSU player and you know I'm walking in here and this is a big-time business and the expectations are this, 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 and this. And they're not just telling me that, they're showing me that. And it raises everybody's level. Does that make sense? Like everybody's level is raised because the administration said, we're investing this much money into you having the best of the absolute best so you can be the best of the best. And in talking to Matt Hayes, and you've done this as well, but Matt's toured a lot of these not only regionally in the southeastern part of the country, but nationally. I mean, he talks about even places like Purdue. He says, you walk into Purdue's football facility – you won't believe it. It screams elite. Yeah. It scre- that that is that's the best way to say this is when you walk into Alabama, you become better by walking in there. AM's another one. AM, Kentucky. These places like every detail screams elite. So let me ask you this then. Florida, we understand maybe why Miami fell behind, but I'll you I'll use them too. The three state schools, Florida, Florida State, and Miami, they're all guilty of this. How did all three of them fall so far behind in the facilities game? Each one there's a different answer to. But to generalize the whole thing, um, there was a boom. There, and, and Georgia and Alabama stayed ahead of it. And what they did was, okay, we need this part of this facility. Okay, let's get it. It's funded. They didn't rest there. They started the next deal. So like, I, I use Georgia as an example. Georgia has one of the nicest indoor facilities and football-only facilities in the country. When you walk in there, everything is new. They're showing you, we just got done with this, this, this. Oh, let me show you haven't seen this yet. And as you're walking through, um, Hack, there's blueprints for what's being built now. Mm-hmm. So as you're impressed with the new, they're selling even newer. And that's where Florida, Florida State, Miami, there's a lot of schools nationally they didn't want the the booster attachment, the fundraising attachment, the pressure, the stress, all that kind of stuff that goes along with that. Because at Georgia, you spend eighty million to spend a hundred two years later, and that's what it's taken right now. Now, once Florida gets their facility built, where will they rank on the tier system of you know facilities that you've been to based on what you know about that? Outside facility? of the top ten, 
Okay. Outside of the top 10, probably inside of the top 25. That can go outside of the top 25. The minute that building's built, if they don't start the next thing, they'll be irrelevant in three or four years. Yeah, it's amazing. I remember ESPN did a tour of the A&M facility, and it's ridiculous. It's Mm -hmm. just absolutely ridiculous. Why is the flight simulator such a good idea at Auburn? Anything that you can do to get your guys detached from football but still focus on um, mental task, skill development, um, any type of, of neurological activity that your body's recovering in is key. And so they found a way, and, and actually, I'll, like we're bringing some of this to Jacksonville, um, Six Points is. Like, we'll be the only people in the country that – and I can't really say what it is yet, but we're bringing a simulation type of training-based program to Jacksonville, and that's the reason why. It's how do we stimulate the brain? How do we teach a new skill that translates into making decisions and into being steady? And that's kind of the new trend in training, and flight simulation is the absolute best thing that you can do that's away from the game of football. If it would have been in the game of football, because people will say, well, why, why don't you just do something football-related? Because that falls in the 20-hour rule. Mm. So what can you do outside of a football activity that continues to train your guys in a way that you can't train them on a football field or in a weight room? Flight Simulator is an amazing tool. I'm sure Auburn might be the first. They probably won't be the last. It'll be it, Somebody may have it in before them now that they've mentioned it. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Today's Gator Podcast brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist. They're Northeast Florida's leading orthopedic center, providing an unparalleled level of care across numerous locations in both Jacksonville and St. Augustine. That includes Riverside, Northside, the Southside, the Beaches, Fleming Island, and St. John's. All right, Denny, as we make the turn for home, here on Gator Bites, two final pieces of business. Number one, the seconds ticking by, the minutes, the hours. Still on Urban Watch. Day number nine, I guess, at the time of this podcast recording. And again, we're recording this on Wednesday. So if he's announced the coach or declines Wednesday night, it's obviously after we did this. But your thoughts on what is taking Urban Meyer so long? I mean, from what I've been told, and I think it's the same thing all of us have been told, he's putting feelers out from a staff staffing um, situation. I, that that shouldn't take this long. To me, he's struggling with the idea of does he want to do it, does he not want to do it, and if you're struggling with it, you probably shouldn't do it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know that that's it. Like, I I think it's more who do I who's coming with me. Who do I get to surround myself with? Who's willing to leave the college game? Who can I pull from other staffs? Can I put the people around me? Urban's very much a CEO. And his strength is, I'm going to surround myself with all these people that that can do this at a very high level. If he can't surround himself with that, then the magic of Urban Meyer is gone. And so I think he's making sure he can do that. I've had some amazing conversations with people that have coached with Urban Meyer for extended periods of time about will he translate into the NFL. And it's been just fun to hear their takes on it, everything from absolutely to there's no way that man can physically lose. And if he loses six games in a year, what's going to happen? Like it's, it's a widespread thing, but the one thing everybody says, if he wants to, yes. If he wants to be the best at the NFL and he can get the people around him that, that he wants, then he absolutely will succeed. Interesting side note, too. Again, at the time we're recording this, not one head coaching job has been filled. Yeah, There are currently seven. Yep. 
are people waiting on Urban? Is the Jaguar job that desirable with Trevor Lawrence in the fold, with the, the all the cap room, five picks in the top sixty-five? Is Urban the domino effect? Yeah, I think I think he is. I think I think this is going to sound very generic. Somebody is. I don't know if it's Urban, but there's maybe it's Robert Sala, maybe it's Eric Bieniemy. Somebody is holding up the process. There's somebody out there that's interviewed for three or four or five jobs whose agent's doing a hell of a job in a bidding war right now. I do think it's one of those things that once you see the first guy, you probably see the next four You know, within 24 to 48 hours after that. And I would have to think, again, 48 hours from now is Friday. If you don't have a decision by Urban in 48 hours from now, you almost have to move on at that point, right? I mean, yeah, because yeah, yeah, when yeah, yeah. people start getting hired, that domino effect starts happening, you could miss out on all other so the Jags potential know their candidates. The Jags know their second guy. Sure. Yeah. The minute you start to worry about losing that second guy is when you got to call Urban out and go, look, dog, we need it. We, we need, need an answer now. Yeah. All right, let's wrap up with this. I know your thoughts on Mike White, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it up a little bit. Okay. Florida won last night. Yeah. When they were down 61-52 to Ole Miss. They ended the game on a 21-2 to run, I think, yeah. and ended up winning the game. A really good win for uh, for Mike White and, and Florida over Ole Miss. They're 6-3 and three on the year. They're 3-2 and two in the conference. I'm going to ask you a tough question because that's what you get paid the big bucks for. <laughs> um, does it matter what Mike White does this year or the Keontae Johnson issue mar this season no matter what happens? And I guess give Mike White a pass because of what happened to Keontae. In my mind, it should it he should not get a pass. I I I feel like Florida basketball is irrelevant again. I feel like we have gone back. They feel like a middle of the pack SEC team. It, there's nothing exciting about it. Yeah. There's nothing consistent about it. There's nothing that even suggests that it's going anywhere else. And I understand the Keontae Johnson thing. I understand like the pressure and the stress and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, he's fine now. He's not playing. But that, that mental pressure, that mental stress of, is he going to make it? How is he going to look? Is he going to be able to talk? Is he going to be able to walk? Like That's all gone. right? That's all gone. And you recruited those other guys to play basketball and win basketball games. And if you can't do that at a level that we expect at Florida, whatever that level is, then you don't need to be there. You've had plenty of time. There's, you're, you're not, you're not, there's nothing has changed under Mike White in the last three years. The games we're watching now look identical to the games that we were watching three years ago, and I don't know how anybody can even argue that. It was a good win last night. I'm not going to beat him up too much. Obviously, they needed it. If they would have lost Ole Miss last night, you start wondering if the season's going to get away. But 6-3, and 3-2 three, three and two in the conference. Well, I mean, I watch him because what else was there to watch on a Tuesday night? I, I, I can't watch him. Like, I've tried. I've tried, and I find myself just going – this is boring. They can be frustrating to watch. The Kentucky game was agonizingly frustrating. That's a bad Kentucky team. It's not a good one, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They lost by 20 to Alabama last yep. night yep. after wiping the floor with Florida on Saturday. He is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. This has been Gator Bites on the 1010XL.com podcast network. You catch Denny every night on the sports day, and you get me middays on XL primetime. Next week, we'll talk about Gators remaining in the NFL playoffs and – Senior Bowl. Senior Bowl is like two weeks away, less than two weeks away. It's coming up very quickly. What is Kyle Trask, Kadarius Toney, guys like that, what do they need to do in Mobile to improve their draft stock? We'll get into that next week, Denny. Yes, sir. That is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. Thank you for watching and listening to Gator Bites right here on 1010XL.com.